You are listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we are joined by Shermaine Hu, co-founder and CFO of Episode 6, a paytech company. Hello, Shermaine. Hi, Gaia. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So today we're going to discuss one of the recent studies that has been published by the company. But before that, Charmaine, would you like to offer to our listeners an introduction about episode six and the company's proposition and offering? Yes, absolutely. So episode six is a B2B payments technology company. We essentially offer back and infrastructure technology to our clients so that they can build their specific differentiated digital products um, in payments for their own customers uh, and design it in the way that they, they feel that their customer actually want and need that. And our client base is quite global in nature. So we work with a lot of banks, you know, from the local banks to regional banks to global banks uh, all over the world. We also work with fintechs, you know, from the newcomers to the more established ones. We also work with a lot of brands really across a, a range of industry verticals from travel to healthcare to e-commerce, giving them the tools that they need to build the embedded finance experience that um, they want to offer to their customers as well. So that's uh, episode six in a nutshell. Uh, we are headquartered in Austin, Texas, but we have teams globally uh, across all the key regions, um, you know, Singapore, uh, Australia, uh, UK, Europe, uh, as well as obviously in, in America. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Charmaine. And as I just mentioned, um, the company recently published a study on the future of payments. And some of the findings were quite impressive. Apparently, yeah. by 2030, 74% of consumer payments are expected to be handled by non-traditional financial institutions. So maybe could you tell us a bit more about the scope and the methodology behind these studies? Um, and then we can get into some of the other findings that came out. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and I would say that that is, frankly, the most striking findings that, uh, you know, I was thinking about as I was reading through that report um, is it, we I think we all knew that fintech is uh, participating in the payments world in a really big way. But I just didn't realize where, where it is already uh, today and where it's headed in the future. Um, but just a little background to why we did this report. Payments landscape is is large, but it's also changed very significantly over the last two decades, really since the late 90s. Um, and so what IDC did here was really to kind of provide some background as to how the evolution has come about, and in particular, how technology played a role in that and what they expect technology to do in the future uh, as this evolution continues uh, in, the, in the world of payments. Um, so that, that's really the backdrop. And there, there are quite a lot of interesting findings. I, I think the one that you mentioned, as I said, was really quite surprising to me until I, I actually read the report. Um, so it, what it's calling out is that as of even today, over half of the consumer payment um, transactions are processed by FinTech. And the expectation is by the end of this decade, that number is going to go up to 74, 75%. So that's really significant. And I, and I think that really begs the question as to what are the fintechs doing right? right? And also, where are the banks? Like, what are they going to do? I would say that there's also another very interesting finding, uh, which is very rele relevant and I think topical today is in relation to um, different asset classes that consumers are leveraging 
for payments. Again, I, I know, and I think we all know that there's a lot of discussions and maybe debates about, um, you know, DeFi and the world of, you know, what the Web 3.0, you know, crypto blockchain, all very interesting conversations, but increasingly that's really becoming day-to-day -day for a lot of people. And again, what uh, IDC is predicting in their report is that by the end of this decade, so not far away, over 60% of consumers would have transacted in a non-fiat asset class. Well, be, be that the Bitcoin, be it, you know, a loyalty point or whatever that might be. I, I think that's very interesting in, in showing that the acceptance of new technology, new ways to pay it is increasing uh, and it's not going away. Absolutely. Yes, that's definitely the trend. And I remember there were some other interesting findings, for example, in the case of Buy Now, Pay Later, which is yeah. also set to keep growing. Am I correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, I mean, that has already grown 70% really over the last year or two, which is very significant compared with other type of you know, payments growth, you know, for example, just card payments. I, I think, you know, if you look around uh, in terms of just payments growth, you would expect that will continue to increase uh, in particular globally. Um, you know, I think the, the fact that um, people can now easily transact on their phone, uh, you know, that there's also more of an integration across different networks, different countries makes payments a little more easier than it used to be. Um, and so that is driving the growth. But again, surprisingly, maybe not so, shouldn't be so surprising is who, who are the biggest driver in terms of enabling that payment growth to, to increase. And, and again, that remains the fintechs. As I read through that, I was like, what are the fintechs doing that's different from the banks? And, and I think in many ways, you come back to the human aspect of payments. So, you know, we, we can talk technology all day long. We have a technology company, so we love to talk about technology. But ultimately, the people using those products that we are supporting, what is making them feel that, oh, I'm going to use this more frequently than not. Um, and, and I think that kind of goes back to somewhat of a generation change in terms of approach to payments and, and comfort level of using like new products. I think, you know, if you look at my parents' generation, for example, they would be banking with one bank since they were kids. And that would be the bank that they go to for everything, you know, from checking accounts to credit cards to mortgage to, you know, investment, for example. But that trust factor, I think, is still there. Increasingly, I think people are now more focused on some other factors as well. You know, for example, the convenience. Am I really going to go to a bank branch to do something? Like, no. <laughs> and speed, right? When I want to pay somebody, I want to know that they're getting the payment the moment I, I send it over as opposed to having to wait. And it's just the, the convenience, ease of use, you know, having an app that's easy to understand, very clear in terms of, you know, balance, transactions, so on and so forth. Those are all very important now when people are deciding what they want to use for their daily you know, activities from a payments perspective. And I think that that change of mindset and the willingness to, to try new products, new providers is essentially driving the, the fintech growth from a so payment processing perspective. But for the fintechs to be able to offer all those in, important factors to uh, consumers today, they need the technology to support that. And again, you know, 
there are a lot of people who build really nice looking apps that has got you know really cool buttons that you can press and things that you can do on the app. Those apps need a backend that can support that, and and that comes back to what we discussed upfront, which was backend infrastructure. You know, largely were built many many years ago within the payment space, and so when we founded the company, we were really kind of looking at that opportunity. Which is, you know, there's a lot of technology out there that is getting older and older, and because of the transformation from a technology perspective, those technology offerings are not going to be able to support what the future consumers and future banks and fintechs are going to need in terms of the sort of backend support. And that's why we have built what we we did, um, really from a sort of new technology perspective. You know. Born in the cloud, digital first, API first, that essentially provides that backbone that the fintechs and all banks can use to build newer products that offer all those nice things to the consumers. You know, easy to use, a good user experience, and, and just speed uh, in terms of transacting and processing the transaction. Fantastic and great points because I'm super glad that you mentioned the the human and the people side along with yeah. uh, quality of user experience and the technology and the convenience. Um, because my follow-up question would have been then why people have immediately embraced this shift and started trusting fintechs and yeah. uh, new financial institutions straight away. Um, but you made a great yeah. point about, about the people side. Because I think very few people are picking the products that they want to use because, oh, this must be the best technology available. They're picking it because this is easiest to use and really serve their, their actual needs. Compared with, you know, back in the days, banks and other companies are putting out products as a result of the, what the technology allows them to do as opposed to what their, their customers actually want. Um, so it's really a flip in terms of the consumers, the customers should be the one driving the product design as opposed to the technology dictating what is permissible. Absolutely. A different approach. And in this context, banks are not in such a nice position. So in your opinion, what should they be doing to remain competitive in the payment space? And how can they embrace a pay tech infrastructure that in a way helps them to um, interact with the ecosystem of fintechs while at the same, of course, remaining competitive and delivering a satisfying customer experience? So I would say that, again, from our experiences talking with a lot of our clients and prospective clients in, in the world of banking, you know, financial institutions, they're clearly aware of the challenge that they are facing. So they, they're not turning away, waving their white flag, you know, okay, we're done, you guys, fintech, good luck. Absolutely not. I think they're fully aware of the challenge in front of them. I think they do have some inherent roadblocks, maybe the wrong word, but some reasons for them to move a little slower than the fintechs in terms of being able to put forward products that are more user-friendly, that the consumers would find more appealing. And the reason is oftentimes when you build something from scratch, you can design it in the exact way you want it. Whereas when you already have a whole set of accounts, you already have a lot of technology platforms you know, that you're using today, it becomes a bit harder to go from A to B. And so, but that's not to say that it's an absolute challenge that is insurmountable. I think it's, it's totally addressable, but it just takes a bit more time to assess how can I migrate over a set of portfolios in a risk-free or very low risk way. 
and and in particular, you know, other than the technology side of things, because there is technology such as you know what we are offering today that's very useful and very easy to to help banks to move from the legacy to the future. Besides the technology, again, there's also a human aspect where there are a lot of stakeholders, whether it's the customers, whether it's the uh, companies, executives, management boards. Everyone needs to get comfortable with the fact that taking this slightly risky step to go from the existing technology to the new technology is worth doing and they can do it right and they can do it at ease that would help them keep up with the rest of the market. So so I, I do believe that a lot of the banks out there are assessing the situation, if not already addressing it. I mean, you just need to read you know, JP Morgan's investment in technology to know that you know people are not being shy about they want to be ahead of the game because you know they they have that strong market share that they own today that is weakening because of the challenge of the fintechs but they can protect it and they they have a lot of customers that they already have they just need to tweak the technology a little bit to to move ahead um so easier said than done but i, I believe a lot of the banks are working on that already and just need to find the right um technology solutions that work for them uh, on that basis and so that kind of comes back to what is the best approach i, I would say no one is going to do a big bank approach to go from i'm going to unplug my core banking platform and plug into a new one that's not happening but at the same time there are many ways to do step by step you know test out some new technology uh, a lot of banks are working with fintechs like ourselves um, to essentially put out some new products uh, so that they can you know capture their, their customers and, and maintain that market share. In the meantime, kind of work through how can we transform over the rest of our portfolio? How can we uh, build a product and technology roadmap that can support us into the future? Um, so there are a lot of partnership, there are a lot of you know, investment relationships going on you know, between the, the banks and, and the fintech world. But at the same time, you know, we are seeing a lot of banks really just putting a lot of um, resources and, and investment into looking at newer technology, whether it's DeFi, whether it's you know some of the you know BNPL products, so on and so forth. They're definitely not going away. I, I think they just do have a, a little bit of an inherent uh, challenge in terms of moving you know what they already have to something newer. But yeah, I, I feel that they will catch up. Uh, and just looking at you know what the IDC reports finding says. Over 70% of banks globally are still using technology from you know, over 10 years ago. So that's going to be a lot of work to be done by a lot of banks you know, across the world. Uh, but I, I, I believe a lot of them will get there. Sure, absolutely. But as you rightly pointed out, the change is already happening. And just this morning, I was reading increasingly banks are migrating to the metaverse. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely they are receptive and they are keeping up uh, with the pace. And to conclude, from a payment, company perspective, what would be the elements that make a pay tech infrastructure fast to deploy and easy to put into action for a bank? So, so I think that probably one of the most important aspects is the ability to integrate with different systems because payments is very connected, very global. So to the extent that you can integrate very quickly and readily with different systems across the, whether it's local, regional and global, that gives you that speed to market that, you know, older technology may not be available um, or be able to, to keep pace with. Um, so I would say that's probably the most critical aspect. And, and I would say the other aspect is 
being value agnostic. So we talk about the different asset classes. And again, you know, you just mentioned a lot of banks are joining the you know, Web 3.0 and, and you know, the, the new world of crypto and blockchain. So to be able to support those products going forward, you know, being able to handle different asset classes is also very critical. Um, so I would call out those two things as the most important for um, technology that can support the, the new world, the future as the most important. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Charmaine Hu, co-founder and CFO at Episode 6. Very insightful answers, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gaia.